Hey everybody, this is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here today with just the zoo of us. This is your favorite animal review podcast, and I have a really special brand new friend today. This is Vinny Thomas. Say hello, Vinny. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm really excited to meet you virtually because I'm a huge fan of your comedy and your videos and your art and everything that you do. Can you introduce us a little bit to you? Yeah. Howdy, y'all. My name is Vinny Thomas. I'm I'm an up-and-coming comedian in Chicago. I'm also very popular on Twitter and Instagram for videos in which I pretend to be all manner of creatures, uh, animals, insects, aliens, and occasionally people. Uh, and now I'm here reviewing animals on this incredible podcast with you. I'm very excited. I will say that the first video of yours that I saw was the Galactic Federation one. And it was extremely funny. And it set off this little like alarm in my head when you referenced the dodo. After the Galactic Federation video that I thought was so hilarious. Um, you know, I started following you. I started seeing the stuff you were posting on Twitter. And just some of them were about very fun, obscure animals that I was like you know what? This is somebody who's interested in zoology. I was like, this is definitely an animal nerd because I don't think anybody who was not an animal nerd would be like posting memes about Mata Mata turtles. That seems like <sighs> such a deep cut. <laughs> Mata Mata's, oh my, there are so many reptiles that are just, because faces are permanently baked into their skulls. They're not moving, you know, they don't have cheeks or anything. And a Mata Mata it has this wide, mirthless grin, like it's stolen money out of its mother's purse. And it's just like pleased about it constantly. It's a ridiculous animal. Love it to death. It's just a big, wide, like like a thin, crooked line, like the Grinch. They look like the Grinch. Precisely like the Grinch. Well, we're not talking about Matamatas today. We're not talking about Dodos today. We're talking about a really cool animal that I will admit I don't know very much about because I don't live where they live. We're talking about pronghorns. Yeah, we're talking about the prong, prong gang. <laughs> so what is a pronghorn? Imagine, if you will. Like, just sit there and dream with me for a second. Paint me a word picture. Yes, I'm going to paint you a word picture. <laughs> there's, there's an animal, there's a four-legged mammal. It's got the skinny little gams of an African antelope. It's got the weird face of a goat, that weird boxy kind of face. It's got the long, seductive eyelashes of a giraffe. And it's it's got horns like a cow, but it sheds them like a deer on a yearly basis. And then it's got a white, fluffy butt uh, like a rabbit. What I have just described <laughs> to you <laughs> is the pronghorn, uh, or as some people refer to it, the pronghorn antelope. But it is not an antelope. It is a whole other thing. It's own game entirely. It's own deal. <laughs> it's its own situation. It's not a giraffid, but it is a giraffoid. So it's in the super family that includes giraffes. So it's basically this tiny little relative of giraffes that runs super, super fast and lives in the American West and Southwest. And I love them to death uh, because I grew up in Colorado. And growing up in Colorado, if you're on a, on a road trip or anything going west or south, you're going to see some pronghorn on the side of the roads. But at first, you'll probably think it's a deer. And, you know, deer in Colorado, it's a dime a dozen. You know, you've seen one deer, <laughs> you've seen a million deer. But sometimes you take a double take and you're like, wait, that's not a deer. That's an entire pronghorn. <laughs> that is a whole pronghorn. It's a whole pronghorn. And it's a delicious little surprise because you never see it coming. That's a little 
the little relative of the giraffe. It's a little treat for you. Little delicious <laughs> ASMR for your for your listeners. Perfect. So the pronghorn, like you said, it looks like a deer. It's more related to giraffes, which is wild because we don't have any other relatives of giraffes in America, right? No, there are none left. The pronghorn, <laughs> the pronghorn said no thank you when extinction <laughs> came to the door. The pronghorn is a vestige from another time. When all these other animals were dying out, the pronghorn said, ha, bet. <laughs> said, I don't think I will, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's none of my business. Y'all could go ahead. Dying couldn't be me. <laughs> Cannot relate. No, impossible. Embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. And it is still around today. They outran extinction. Truly. And they did outrun it because they are the second fastest land animal on Earth. Yes. Excellent. I want to talk about this. So if this is your first time listening to our podcast, we review animals and we rate them out of 10 in a few different categories. Um, the first of which being effectiveness. So this is physical adaptations that make the animal really good at what they're doing. Yes. Things that are built into their body that make them really good at surviving. This is a prey animal. So like getting away from predators, this is really important to them because they would not like to die. So what do you give the pronghorn out of 10 for effectiveness? Okay. This might be bold. This might be a little bold. Okay. But on effectiveness, right off the bat, I'm giving it a 10. I think as a prey animal, your one job is to escape predators and reproduce relatively quickly. That's your whole, that's your whole game. And the pronghorn has that on lock. There is no predator alive in North America, except for, you know, a bullet that can catch a pronghorn. It is simply too fast. Uh, and if you've ever seen a pronghorn interact with a predator. And occasionally, I remember once I saw, I don't know if it was a fox or a coyote in the distance, kind of stalking around a, a herd of pronghorn. Pronghorn will run away from it, and then they'll just stop and turn around and look at it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, are we good? <laughs> yeah, we're like, fine. We're like, you've seen how fast we can run, right? Are, are we finished with this interaction? Can you go now? Like, I don't think we need to go any further here. No, we're finished. Are you kidding me? You've you've humiliated yourself <laughs> in front of the entire prairie ecosystem. <laughs> and now we're finished. I don't think I need to prove myself to you, the predator. No, exactly. Go go eat something slower and maybe a little less competent, like a rabbit. I'm sorry to whoever has to review a rabbit coming up next. They said stay in your ecological lane. That's right. That's right. <laughs> know your limits. So something that I talked to our guest Gabby Fleury about a few episodes ago was cheetahs. And they mentioned that way back when, when the pronghorn was evolving, there was a predator that lived there that was a relative of the cheetah. Yes. I, I don't know its scientific name, but I know it's, they call it just the North American cheetah, which I guess is how we'll refer to it now because I don't know what it's called. Me neither. But I know it was, they think it was actually an ancestor of the modern cheetah, and it crossed back into Africa. And so that's part of the reason that now the African cheetah is so closely related to the puma. But the the pronghorn must have evolved to run faster than a very fast predator. And like we just, like, there's nothing alive now that can possibly match it. It is so overpowered when it comes to speed. <laughs> it is so ridiculously fast, I think reaching speeds of up to 60 miles an hour, that nothing can catch it. And it, it points to me to a very interesting phenomenon about how all the megafauna in North America kind of started to disappear. And so there must have been immense pressure on the pronghorn from this one kind of very fast animal. Because now the pronghorn is faster than every kind of antelope in Africa. 
So that relationship must have been very, uh, very legendary, I might say. Really quick cat and a really, really quick kind of animal. I can imagine how relieved the pronghorn was when the North American cheetah went extinct. Can you imagine the sigh of relief? They were like, oh, we got it made now. We're finished. We're done. (laughs) You left, and we're finished. I thought I thought we were I thought we were predators. I thought we were in this together. Like you know what I mean? I thought I thought we I thought we had a relationship. I thought we were predator and prey, but it turns out the only predator was time. You feel me? And I just had to wait. It would be like if in like the next Batman movie, the Joker is just like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> then what would the Batman do? He has nothing to do but seduce Wonder Woman and plot to kill Superman. Which are two things Pronghorn are known to do, by the way. (laughs) Throw that very true fact in there. That's some lore that not a lot of people know about, that Pronghorns are canon in the DC universe. You know, they're not fans like we are. Like you and I, they're they're, they're not super fans. They don't dig deep. It was in this one comic in 1974. It's all the way back there. Yeah, Pronghorn Man. (laughs) Pronghorn Man was in Watchmen. You probably didn't see him. He's he's in the background. He's in Rorschach's mask. Please don't go any deeper into comic book bits because I actually am not. Why did you I'm take us? Not... We were playing a real game of chicken right here because I, know. I was not ready either. I was like, okay, are we playing this game? We're going to play it. <laughs> I made up everything I just said. Oh my God. Thank goodness. Whew, I'm going to wipe my brow because that's as far as I got. That was mutually assured destruction. <laughs> Classic Cold War podcast content. Just like the pronghorn and the North American cheetah. <laughs> and you see how well that worked out for them. So let's see which one of us is going to make it through this episode. Zing! Got him! <laughs> so th- another thing that I think is really cool about pronghorns and what just sets them apart, like makes them a really unique animal, is their actual horns. Like the pronghorn. Yes! It's super weird, right? It's perplexing. And again, growing up in Colorado, I'm sure people who came up in, you know, Wyoming, Arizona, New Mexico, maybe Utah, have a similar experience. But whenever you go to the museum, and for us it was the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, inevitably, you walk past the pronghorn diorama, and there's a docent holding a pronghorn horn. Which is a hollow horn. It looks like someone's carved it out. Like a, you know, like a Viking drinking... Is it called a drinking horn? What do you call it? I feel like there's a word. Oh, I don't know. Some German word. Flüderhübernebel. Nailed it. Got it. I don't know. That's it. Uh, I'm not cutting it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, the the pronghorn has a a horn, the bony core of horn that is permanent, uh, which is similar to a giraffe's horn, which is called an ossicone. And then over this permanent horn, they grow a a keratin sheath. And that grows over. And then when it's time to shed those, another horn grows underneath it. But instead of growing from the bottom up like a deer would grow its antlers, a pronghorn's horn develops from the top down. Why? (laughs) Everything about this animal is backwards and strange and truly. It's from a design perspective. (laughs) It's deeply odd and incongruent with everything else that's alive. But yeah, it grows its horns from the top down and then it pops, it pops the sheath off and underneath it's got the new developing horns that'll continue to grow until breeding season when they're pushed off by the other horns. And they're hollow. They're crazy looking things that I would love to take a drink out of, but I don't know if it's illegal. The forbidden chalice. The forbidden chalice. Mentioning that you you grew up in an area where these animals are common. I didn't. I'm in Florida. My condolences. (laughs) 
like that is the only appropriate response when someone tells you that they're from or currently in Florida. But so I don't live where pronghorns are. How common are they to see? Now, here's the thing about pronghorn is that there there are a ton of pronghorn. They were kind of wiped out in the same way bison were wiped out in the early 19th century. They got down to about 12, 12, 13,000 animals. And that was from tens of millions. But they bounced back and there are about a million pronghorn, which is way more than there are bison. And they're just roaming all over the place. It's tricky when you're looking at them from a distance because they do look like deer. You may not even notice if you drive past a pronghorn because you will just think it's a deer or an elk or something that's more typical. So I wouldn't say they're rare. I'd say they're, they're very common, but they're not commonly seen because they live in these sparse, really open habitats that are typically not super developed. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It is a treat, though, to see a pronghorn. I think it's always fun. I would be really excited if I saw one. You know, so around here in Florida, we have a lot of charismatic sort of creatures that live around here that are like common, like everybody knows about them, right? Like alligators, manatees, things like that. Like, are pronghorns something that like little kids learn about in like elementary school and stuff? Because I feel like in Florida, like we instill this sort of like, oh, yes, all right, third graders, it's time to learn about manatees. Like, do they do stuff like that for Yes, you know what? They do? I love this entire, like, the entire culture of, like, each different state and its own ecosystem has its own particular little education programs. You know, whatever <laughs> local foundation it is that comes out with, like, a bull snake and brings it to a school. For us, a pronghorn was a big part of that. Pronghorns, bison, prairie dogs... Uh, they're all, they're all family members. They're all good friends. Uh, we learned about pronghorn a lot in middle school and elementary school. And also the Denver Zoo, I think their logo, maybe I, maybe I dreamed this. Maybe I dreamed this <laughs> in my head. I don't know. I think back in the day, their logo used to be a pronghorn. And then they changed it later to a lion because they don't actually have any pronghorn at the Denver Zoo. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is a little... Don't go to Denver if you want to see pronghorn. San Diego Zoo's got some pronghorn, I think, but not the uh, not the Denver Zoo. Maybe they came under some heat for false advertising. I bet you they did, girl. They were like, <laughs> we need to change this logo immediately. We don't have pronghorn here. Repaint it. We got so many angry emails. <laughs> I mean, you people would come in and it would be uh, usually a pronghorn horn with a hollow sheep. There would be an antler... Uh, from a deer, and then there would usually be some sort of small reptile that they bring in. From the sagebrush ecosystem, that's inevitably going to be like this big, impressive bull snake or, you know, a, a frog or something. So pronghorn are this very iconic part of the sagebrush ecosystem and the desert ecosystem and kind of this icon of the Southwest that a lot of people don't notice or particularly care about because you hear about antelope all the time, but you don't ever think about how unique a pronghorn is because it's such its own special thing that's unlike anything that lives today except maybe a giraffe or an okapi. I love both giraffes and okapis and I feel like you can kind of get an idea like when you just look at them like a picture of them no similarity whatsoever they look like completely different like you wouldn't it's mind-blowing that they would be related but I think when you kind of zoom in and you look at the face yes you start to see the similarity in the face. I feel like they all have what I describe as kind eyes. <laughs> they have kind it's eyes, the, don't they? It's the eyelashes. It's the beautiful drag queen heavy eyelashes that they possess. It's very like camels too. I'd say camels have the same eyes. There's these big, giant, wet eyes with long <laughs> eyelashes on them. 
And pronghorn are cool, too, because they look a lot like, I think, extinct kinds of giraffe. Like, there's one kind of giraffe called a, a civetherium, which is this huge, big fella. And it was almost like a, a giraffe if a giraffe was a moose. But it just looked a little weird. It looked like it didn't really fit into anything. And that's that's a pronghorn, you know? It's its own little deal. It makes sense that they would look so different because one of the things we talked about when we talked about Okapis was that basically they took the same like basic body plan before the giraffe got the long neck. And like since they lived in different areas, so the giraffe lives in somewhere where there's really tall trees, so it's going to benefit them to have these long necks to get up there. But the Okapi lived in rainforests. And so having this big long neck waving around all over the place was going to destroy it. It was going to bonk its head on every leaf it passed. So like <laughs> Okapi stays really little and and, you know, stayed this dark brown color and just didn't develop the same, like, exaggerated features that the giraffe did. So, like, yeah. with the pronghorn, they're they're living out in these grasslands, which I'm pretty sure it's, like, not known for having super tall trees everywhere, right? It is not. That is, <laughs> in fact, the defining feature of the grassland. That's the whole thing that they do is that they're running around the grass. So, like, they have no reason to be tall like a they giraffe. They don't. And what's really interesting, too, is you look back into the time when... The, the pronghorn family, Antilla Capridae, at one point was thriving. It was living its best life. You had different kinds of pronghorn even existing in North America. You had little pronghorn that lived in the forest. Uh, slightly larger pronghorn. There, there's all kinds of different pronghorns and giraffids that lived in North America. And they don't anymore. But we still have the one stubborn holdover who said, <laughs> no thank you to death, and still lives today. I think any of those holdover animals are great. You know, if you look at an animal and it's the it's the only kind of animal like that that exists, it's great. And yeah. And then the fact that, you know, pronghorn are not super well known for some reason, I think about that all the time. People just don't know about pronghorns. They're just to most people a small little brown animal that runs around in the dirt, which, you know, it's <laughs> it's most animals. But a pronghorn is special. In North America, we have so many deer. Like, we have so many cervids just everywhere Ugh. that I think, like, a lot of ungulates get kind of just looped in with looped the rest in of the with cervids. Them. And I'm tired <laughs> of them. Cervids, it's been done. We've seen it a million times. Be original, for God's sake. It's tired. It's Let tired. Somebody else. It's finished. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, pronghorn are, and they're particularly suited to a sagebrush prairie, but they also live in the deserts. They also take really long migratory routes, some of these routes they've been using for thousands of years, across more mountainous terrain. So you'll see them often in little, like, straight train lines walking across the side of a cliff or something just to get to new areas because they're very migratory nomadic species, which is difficult now, obviously, because the prairie is now just a series of farms. But they still do these ancient migrations. So there's something very ancient and beautiful and interesting about these mm. these leggy little supermodel <laughs> giraffes. Yeah, definitely. That is a great tie-in to our second category that we rate animals on, which is ingenuity. So these are <laughs> behavior that the animal does. So things that are maybe not necessarily built into the body, but things it's doing with its body to let it be that evolutionary holdout, like the reason why it's still here. So what would you give the pronghorn for ingenuity out of 10, do you think? Oh my god, it's gonna get such a bad score. Oh no! <laughs> I'm gonna talk about some hilarious behavioral attributes. The pronghorn gets like, I'd say, a five, then maybe less. That's not the worst it's ever been. We've talked about jellyfish, so like it's not the worst <laughs> okay, ingenuity score. I think I'm comfortable with a five. You talk a jellyfish. I think is a zero, right, or somewhere <laughs> close like, there. 
I think it was like a two. It's okay, yeah. So we're going to get the pronghorns a five. One thing pronghorn are known for in Colorado and Wyoming circles is refusing to jump over fences. They won't do it. They won't. Like, <laughs> occasionally a pronghorn will jump, right? And they can jump. But for some reason, more often than not, a pronghorn will try and squeeze underneath a barbed wire fence and crawl under it. Which, for an animal that has, as you may know, <laughs> pronged horns, is incredibly dangerous and stupid. It's the least effective way to get around that fence. It's so bad. They had to look at it and consciously think, like, what is the dumbest way I could get around this? Like Let me just <laughs> scoot my body under this like I'm a rat. Ma'am, you are an entire beast of the field. You cannot squeeze under the fence. And yet they do. If you Google pronghorn fence, it's a series of images of pronghorns trying to suck in their guts and squeeze under a fence because they refuse to jump over them, which has led to a number of different, you know, solutions. Some people put PVC on the bottom rung of barbed wire so they can kind of roll under it. Um, some people make special fences with flaps in the bottom that they can push out. It's weird. You'll occasionally see them jump because they, again, they can jump. There is nothing in a pronghorn's physiology that stops it from jumping. They just refuse to do it. Just don't feel like it. They just don't feel like it. That's like not dignified enough for them. But (laughs) digging in the earth is... They've put so many evolutionary points toward being able to run really fast. They're so connected to just running that it like does not even cross their mind (laughs) to jump, which I think sets them far and away apart from deer and antelope who will jump like just because it's Tuesday. They'll just (laughs) leap into the air. Maybe like the pronghorn just has never had this need to like cross a barrier and so when something's in their way they're just like pronghorn.exe has crashed like they just completely like blue screen and shut down and they're like i have no idea what to do about this you know what's funny (laughs) in almost every like in every documentary which features pronghorn and talks about um you know how they are how they kind of collapsed as a population even though they're they're doing fine now they mention you know the wide open prairie has been carved up into so many pieces. The pronghorn has never in its entire history encountered a barrier. <laughs> they say the same thing every single time. They're like, what happened to the Great Plains? <laughs> and, you know, it's probably true. They're just so used to having vast tracts of nothing in their way that they see a fence and they're like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> this is a tragedy. What a tra- what is this alien thing? Oh, Lord. Can't go over it. Can't go through it. Gotta go under it. That's the only way. It's the only way. Don't you see? You fools. We have to go under it. You don't. You can just go over. It's not that tall. It's not you that just... tall. So many of them... It's sad. So many of them get tangled up in the barn. So a lot of them die that way. And then a lot of them also die, you know, just getting hit by cars. Because, again, you're so fast. (laughs) You think you're the fastest thing in the world. You're like, (laughs) semi-truck? Impossible. You can catch me if you wanted to. (laughs) So they'll run across the street. I don't think they freeze like deer, but they bolt. So a pronghorn will bolt, and, of course, it'll get uh, thwumped by a a semi-truck. 
I mean, like, it's a different movement, right? Like, where it they're is. moving, like, perpendicular to the threat, yeah, right? Yeah, you're so right. They're, like, it's not... It's not chasing them, so they might not think like... But they got those big eyes. Why you have those big giant eyes? <laughs> you can't see a semi-truck coming. What a waste of an eye. That's true. You know, um, I wouldn't consider pronghorn particularly adaptable. They're highly migratory. So they, they move around a lot, but they got specific conditions. You know, they are so enigmatic and perplexing. And I wish more people knew about them because they're just like, <laughs> like, I'd love to make a video where I'm a pronghorn, but no one would understand the references. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd refer to going under a fence, which would be a great inside joke for like the Colorado Wildlife Foundation <laughs> or whatever. But no one else would get it. I think they're hilarious, wacky creatures, not at all adaptable. They need to live in the high <laughs> desert or the plains or they won't get it. They just won't understand. The mental image of a pronghorn being like tangled up in this fence is the same energy to me as when a cat tries to climb through the blinds and like gets all tangled up in the blinds and then they're just looking back at you like, I, I don't know how I got myself here, but now I need your help getting out. It is exactly the same. <laughs> it is exactly the same. And it is so profoundly odd. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everything about them is profoundly odd, but I think that takes the cake for weird behavior. Oh, they also have a crazy reproductive. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back <laughs> real quick and talk for a second about pronghorn bibbies because oh. little bibbies they're very cute, they're very small, and they often give birth to twins. Like very, very often, a pronghorn will have twins, uh, and pronghorns are not super large animals. But those twins in the mother's body will comprise about a third of her body weight oh. while she's pregnant. So they're big for the mother, but they are small animals. And they actually, the embryos, and I could be like getting some of the terminology wrong here, but I know that the embryos compete. At some point, there are about seven, seven fertile embryos inside of the pronghorn. And they have something called a, a necrotic tip at the end of the embryo. And they will twist around and try to stab each other with the ne necrotic tip until only two are left. And those are the two that are born. Wow. Like, why even come in with that energy? Like, Why bother having that many to begin with? It seems hateful and a little petty, I might add. <laughs> Maybe just like that competitive nature is so ingrained into them after having outcompeted all of their giraffoid cousins. They're like, it's just become part of who they it's are. It's so funny. Pronghorner is still going so hard and they don't, and they don't need to. This is a different America. There are no there are no saber tooths. There are no dire wolves. They're just regular wolves. Like you're you're gonna be fine. Chill out for a second. I wonder sometimes if like you put a cheetah back into America. If Pronghorn would still be able to outrun it, or if they've gotten lazy, you know? Because in my mind, they're still hard, and they're still fighting for every inch of life, even though they don't need to. Like, calm down for a second. They're bringing the most into a situation that doesn't require the most. So I would imagine probably, like, if you brought a modern-day, like, African cheetah and, like, pitted it against a Pronghorn, the Pronghorn would just, like, like with the fence, just, like, completely crash. Oh, and what is it? <laughs> go immediately try to go underneath the cheetah <laughs> for no apparent reason. Is this anything? Is, is this, this what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> I gotta go under it, right? 
in a fight against a cheetah, though, those horns, if it was trying to go under the cheetah, that would actually probably work. I will say, and (laughs) those horns are pretty useful. They do use them. They're not just display horns. They use them to fight each other over uh, the ladies. So they're pretty strong, which I wouldn't expect because (laughs) they're hollow and they pop off every year. Some... uh... What's the word? I don't want to say maladaptive. That seems mean. (laughs) (laughs) Maladaptive. Watch your mouth. A family podcast. Uh, There's a a whole gang of animals that are now extinct that you look at, you know, in books and you're like, oh my God, what a ridiculous thing. Like a lot of rhino relatives have these weird structures on their faces. Uh, Like you just watch, watch the documentary Ice Age. Or Ice Age the Meltdown. And you'll see, <laughs> you'll see animals like Macrochenia and Indricotheres and all kinds of weird animals that you're like, that thing just looks stupid. <laughs> if I was looking at that now, I'd be like, what a, what a crazy looking creature. Platybelodon. I'm just rattling off names now, but please look them up. <laughs> they look ridiculous. And a pronghorn is one of those animals that just looks odd. So since we were talking about how funky pronghorn look, especially when compared to other ungulates like we have around here, this is a good opportunity to talk about our last category for pronghorns. This is aesthetics. And it's very self-explanatory. I think you can kind of get what we're going for here. Just how nice the animal is to look at. What do you give the pronghorn for aesthetics? Uh, I give the pronghorn an eight, maybe an eight and a half if I'm feeling generous. Uh, the pronghorn could be more colorful. I think we'd all agree. I think mammals are pretty limited in their, like, coat color options, aren't they? Like, yeah. mammals kind of got the short end of the stick on the color options. And, you know, I think that's very disappointing. <laughs> I think it's very <laughs> disappointing. Because uh, what, then, then what? You know, they have pattern, right? And a pronghorn has a pattern that's unique. Like, a pronghorn has a couple of white throat patches, and then it's got kind of a swoopy black mask that kind of oh it's hard to describe uh but they're mostly that tan um what's the color dun or roan that lion color you know could be better the horns the horns of a pronghorn are swoopy they have a very modern aesthetic simple clean lines uh, not too much. You know, they're not making a show of it. They're not fallow deer. <laughs> they're not, <laughs> they're not elk. Okay. You're, they're not gaudy. It's just a simple little twist and a curl inward. And they're this chic black color. It's very fashion. It's very shape. It's giving us form, texture, color, giving everything else we could possibly want from a horn is in the pronghorn's horn. So I think the horns really are upping its score. The rest, you could take it or leave it kind of a squat body on very long legs like a marshmallow on four toothpicks (laughs) i will give them credit for the fluffy butt though the fluffy butt is pretty good the fluffy butt is great and also whenever they're like excited or scared they also erect almost like a mane like crest on their neck which even makes them look a little more like giraffes so they have longer hair on their necks and then on their booties so they'll shoot it up which is always fun and exciting to watch but you never really see them from up close i should have mentioned that earlier I've never seen a pronghorn from closer than, like, a little less than a month. They're so far away, and they don't like being close to anyone. Uh, So you're never going to happen upon a pronghorn, because they're always going to run away from you very quickly. That's closer than I've ever been to a pronghorn, so I gotta... You'll get there. You'll get there. (laughs) But boy, do I love to see him run away with those little butts. With those little fluffy butts. Do they do, like, deer have their little tail flicks up, like a little flag almost? That's like, hello. 
That's a good question. And I never really noticed. I don't think their tails are as big. So maybe they do. And I just haven't noticed. I think there's so much fluff going on that I never really noticed the tail. But I'm sure it's there. I think they have tails. Because like, it's already great. So it's like, what more could you want? Exactly. I'm not even noticing that. So maybe that detracts from the score. (laughs) There needs to be balance. I do wish, I think, I wish the pronghorn had stripes. I'll say it. No one is brave enough to say it. I wish the pronghorn was covered in stripes. Okapis get stripes. Pronghorn deserves stripes. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't have them. Yeah, and the, the Okapis have, like, the stripes along just the legs, Ugh. which is really cool. It's like they, they hadn't committed fully to the stripes. Like, they wanted to try the stripes on and see if they liked yes. them, but they you didn't want to commit to stripes on the whole body. Mother Nature said, let me make this animal so thick she got stretch marks. Mother Nature said, let me... <laughs> But then I just said, let me give her, let me give her some stretch marks Uh, because she's beautiful in every shape and form she comes in. You know what I mean? And I wish Pronghorn had some thick stretch marks too, because they deserve it. I think it would look amazing on what is, I keep looking back and forth between a picture of a Pronghorn about what is otherwise, you know, a, a great form. They got great ears too. Big, giant herbivore ears. Mm, the kind I know a lot of herbivores can kind of like turn their ears around. Yeah, they got the swivelies. <laughs> they got the new swivelies. <laughs> they upgraded. They're like, ooh, did you see my new ears? Yes. You know what? <laughs> I was like, crazy animal. Crazy animal. And I wish more people knew about how crazy they were. But that's what we love about them. You know, yes. like if they were just a cut and paste of the same old deer, we wouldn't be talking about them right now. That's true. We wouldn't because I don't have much to say about deer. Except for elk. Have you done an elk episode? We did caribou. Oh, we didn't do elk, but okay. we did caribou. When you get to elk, someone's going to mention the bugle, which is, yes, uh, to me, the most beautiful sound in the world is this haunting deer scream. Like I mentioned, I don't live where they live. And so I didn't know, first of all, that they made a sound at all. And second of all, that it sounded like that <laughs> until like... Like, literally, it was a couple months ago that I finally, like, someone posted a video of an elk making the bugle sound. I was like, what on earth? Y'all got ghosts out there. (laughs) Like, what is this? This is ridiculous. Hearing that sound, I will never forget. I went to, um, oh, I think it was at Ballarat. (laughs) In in Denver, if you go to Denver Public Schools, you go off when you're in fifth grade to something called Ballarat which is basically like this little mini wilderness training where you do like a ropes course and you learn about the wildlife in the mountains and you hear an elk making that noise in the distance. Terrifying. Because <laughs> they do it They do it early in the morning and it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like someone pulling a violin apart. This is an elk tangent, but it's very important. Yes, it does sound like that. I feel like if, if I were to go outside and hear that sound, I would immediately turn around and walk back inside and cancel whatever I had planned for that day. None like, of my business. This day is canceled. I got spirits I got to deal with. I'm not going to work. No, no, no. They got uh, ghouls of the plains out there going on. I don't <laughs> want anything to do with that. No, thank you. Good night. I'm ghouls going to go back to bed plains. and try again tomorrow. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of let people know where they can find you. Like, what other stuff are you working on right now? And what do you want people to know about? Yeah, well, right now you're going to find most of my stuff on social media. So you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or unfortunately, TikTok. On, <laughs> uh, my username is Vinay. So it's V-I-N-N underscore A-Y-Y. Uh, my name is Vinny Thomas. I've got some stuff in the works, so, you know, I'll post about it there or whenever I do Zoom shows or anything, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Awesome. And I did just want to mention that you have some really 
beautiful animal artwork on your um, website, right? Yes, I do. I, I have some art uh, that I've made. Uh, I'm not really selling it right now, but if you want to take a look at it, please absolutely do. It's vinnythomas.com. Of course. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank I am you. delighted to have had you. I'm delighted to know more about these amazing animals I didn't know very much at all about before this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. See ya. See ya.